promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 96 Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless the name of the Lord. Proclaim God's salvation from day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations and God's wonders among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, more to be feared than all gods. As for all the gods of the nations, they are but idols, but you, O Lord, have made the heavens. Majesty and magnificence are in your presence, power and splendor are in your sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord honor and power, Ascribe to the Lord the honor due the holy name. Bring offerings and enter the courts of the Lord. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before the Lord all the earth. Tell it out among the nations. The Lord is king. The one who made the world so firm that it cannot be moved will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea thunder and all that is in it. Let the field be joyful in all that is in there. Then shall all the trees of the wood shout for joy at your coming, O Lord, for you come to judge the earth. You will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with your truth. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 17. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Propound a riddle, speak a parable to the house of Israel. Say, thus says the Lord God, a great eagle with great wings and long pinions, rich in plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon and took the top of the cedar. He broke off the topmost of its young twigs and carried it to a land of trade and set it in a city of merchants. Then he took of the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like a willow twig, and it sprouted and became a low-spreading vine, and its branches turned toward him, and its roots remained where it stood. So it became a vine, and produced branches, and put out bows. And there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage, and behold, this vine bent its roots toward him, and shot forth its branches toward him from the bed where it was planted that he might water it. It had been planted on good soil by abundant waters, that it might produce branches and bear fruit and become a noble vine. Say thus, says the Lord God, Will it thrive? Will he not pull up its roots and cut off its fruit, so that it withers, so that all its fresh sprouting leaves wither? It will not take a strong arm or many people to pull it from its roots. Behold, it is planted. Will it thrive? Will it not utterly wither when the east wind strikes it, wither away? on the bed where it sprouted. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Say now to the rebellious house, do you not know what these things mean? Tell them, behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took her king and her princes and brought them to him to Babylon. And he took one of the royal offspring and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath, the chief men of the land he had taken away. 
that the kingdom might be humble and not lift itself up and keep his covenant that it might stand. But he rebelled against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he thrive? Can one escape who does such things? Can he break the covenant and yet escape? As I live, declares the Lord God, surely in the place where the king dwells who made him king, whose oath he despised and whose covenant with him he broke, in Babylon he shall die. Pharaoh with his mighty army and great company will not help him in war, when mounds are cast up and siege walls built to cut off many lives. He despised the oath in breaking the covenant, and behold, he gave his hand and did all these things, he shall not escape. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely it is my oath that he has despised and my covenant that he broke. I will return it upon his head. I will spread my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare and I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there for the treachery he has committed against me. And all the pick of his troops shall fall by the sword and the survivors shall be scattered to every wind and you shall know that I am the Lord I have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I'll break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is another interesting chapter, another interesting saga in uh, the story of Ezekiel, right? The last chapter, we had this whole parable around the baby found in the wilderness, right? It was, you know, three episodes I think we did just on that chapter, looking at at, at the, the story that is being told of what God has done for Israel, and yet they've turned away. Well, here we have another parable told, right? This this parable of the eagle and, and the... the uh, cedar of Lebanon and breaking off the topmost of its young twigs and carrying it away and all these things. And, and then the, another eagle. So we've got these two eagles that, that are kind of uh, fighting against one another and, and it ends up not turning out well, right? Uh, because uh, the, the first eagle comes and, and takes the, the topmost branch of the of the cedar, the Lebanon, the, the cedar of Lebanon, and takes it away to a city of merchants. And then he uh, takes the seed of the land and plants it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters, basically uh, planting a different tree, right? And then this other eagle uh, that is that is coming is, is turning itself towards that uh, that vine, that that twig that is that is growing that that this eagle, other eagle had planted. And, and then God says, well, this, this vine that, I, that has been planted is not going to grow. It's not going to flourish. Things are not going to go well. And then we get the uh, explanation for this parable, right? We're told, uh, first off, that the first eagle is Babylon, 
right? Babylon comes and takes away King Jehoiakim, right? It's, it's the first exile. Takes away King Jehoiakim and a bunch of his, his uh, princes. Uh, Lebanon uh, is, is uh, symbolic of Israel or Judah. Uh, the top of the cedar is the king, King Jehoiakim. He breaks him off and he takes him back to a city of merchants that is Babylon. And then he took of the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil, which is this picture of him making uh, King uh, Zedekiah. And uh, we, we go to Second Kings to look at that. I'm turning to it right now. Um, where, we, where we get this portion of, of the story. It's, it's 2 Kings chapter 24, uh, where um, Jehoiakim uh, rebels uh, against uh, 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 Babylon. And uh, Jehoiakim, his, his son, gets, gets made king in his place. And then he uh, doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing with Babylon either. And so then Zedekiah gets made king. Zedekiah was Jehoiakim's uncle, so the brother of Jehoiakim. And uh, the problem is, is it, it tells us here, um, Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiakim to Babylon. He took the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's that's verse 15 of chapter 24 of 2 Kings. And then uh, verse 17, And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle king, and, in his, and king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. That's that's this picture of this first paragraph, right? That this is what this this eagle is is doing. The second eagle we we learn is Egypt. We're told that here in this chapter, as well as if we understand the story correctly, we would we would know that as well. Uh, it's a, it's an interaction that Jeremiah actually has with Zedekiah. Uh, we go to Jeremiah chapter thirty-seven, and uh, there. It says, Zedekiah, son of Josiah, reigned as king in the land of Judah in place of Coniah, son of Jehoiakim, or uh, Jehoiakim. Uh, For King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon made him king. He and his officers and the people of the land did not obey the words of the Lord that he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. Nevertheless, King Zedekiah sent Jehuchol, son of Shalemiah, I am sorry, these names, and Zephaniah, son of Messiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, requesting, please pray to the Lord our God for us. Jeremiah was going about his daily tasks among the people, for he had not yet been put into the prison. Pharaoh's army had left Egypt, and when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard the report, they withdrew from Jerusalem. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is what you will say to Judah's king, who is sending you to inquire of me. Watch. Pharaoh's army, which has come out to help you, is going to return to its own land of Egypt. The Chaldeans will then return and fight against the city. They will capture it and burn it. This is what the Lord says. Don't deceive yourselves by saying the Chaldeans will leave us for good, for they will not leave. Indeed, if you were to strike down the entire Chaldean army that is fighting with you and there remained among them only the badly wounded men, each in his tent, they would get up and burn this city. And it's this story of Zedekiah going, not trusting that the Lord was doing something uh, through... um, through Babylon, not not knowing that God's covenant, God's promise, and part of this promise included the exile, uh, was was working through Nebuchadnezzar, 
to take Jerusalem to exile uh, the uh, the Jews in, into Babylon. Uh, and so Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah all turn away from this word because they don't want to hear what it is that God is going to do. And, and here we have God uh, doing this work that seems absolutely appalling to us. And in some ways it should be. You know, you have the place being attacked. You have the, the city being besieged. And you you praying that God would make a change. And yet God is going to do what God is going to do. And if God's, if the work of God is going to be this sending of Babylon, how is it that we can find ourselves fighting against that? And that, and that's what we're told here in this chapter, uh, verses nine uh, through 10 is all about, will it, will it thrive? Is it, is it going to, is, is this, this new vine going to work if it's going to turn to a different eagle, if it's going to turn to another country? Basically, God's saying, why won't you trust me? Even in the worst of times, why won't you trust me? And that, that's the, the issue that we're finding. Verse 15, uh, he rebelled against him by sending his ambassadors to Egypt that they might give him horses and a large army. Will he thrive? He's talking about Zedekiah. Can one escape who does such things? Can he break the covenant and yet escape? This is Ezekiel. 1715, this, this covenant that God is working in which he promised that if uh, Israel did not obey his covenant, did not obey his laws, did not obey his word, did not listen, did not serve Yahweh God, that God would send them into exile. And here he is doing that. He's fulfilling his covenant promise. And here we have um, a, a the outcome of not listening to a prophet, for instance, like Jeremiah. Jeremiah spends his entire time basically saying, go out, surrender to the Babylonians, and things are going to be okay. And no one wanted to listen because they did not think it would be okay. And so then we're told, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely in the place where the king, that is Babylon, dwells, who made him king, that is Zedekiah, whose oath he despised and whose covenant with him he broke. In Babylon he shall die, which is what happens. Zedekiah actually gets carried off into exile blind. His sons are killed in front of his eyes before he gets blinded, basically cutting off all that, that he could hold dear. His line will be cut off. And, and telling us that this, this pharaoh in Egypt is not going to come to, res- to the rescue. That, that it's going to end the way it's going to end because God is working the way that God is going to work. And that's something that we often forget, right? It's something that we often forget that um, sometimes God works in things that hurt. Sometimes he works in darkness. Sometimes he works in pain and suffering. That's not a fun thing to talk about, but it's true, isn't it? That oftentimes it, it's God coming to us uh, in, in a way that seems abrasive, seems but, uh, vindictive even, <laughs> but it's God doing his work in a particular way for a particular reason. And, and here we have Zedekiah and we have um, Jehoiakim and we have the entire nation of Israel and Judah and everybody 
fighting against that because we have this idea in our mind that God is going to do a particular thing. And we have expectations of him to do this particular thing. But then it drives us nuts with the possibility that he might not do that particular thing. That he's going to do something else completely. And that something else is not even going to come close, remotely close to what we think he should do. Because we have a horrible picture in our heads of what we think he should do. When God is going to do what God is going to do for our sake. And so it ends with what he actually does for our sake. You read this, you read this last paragraph, verses 22 through 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one. And I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. How can you not but know that this is Christ, the son of David? This this tree being the picture of this 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 line of kingship that Christ comes from, from the line of David. But he's this this little tiny young twig, right? A tender one. He needs to be planted on a high and lofty mountain. I can't think but of Christ, the meek and mild child, right? Uh, a little town of Bethlehem and silent night and away in the manger and all that stuff. Or if we go to Philippians chapter 2, one of my, one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That it is that uh, uh, here we're having this picture, this foreshadowing of Christ coming to us as this humble servant king. That, That God is saying in the midst of all of this stuff, when Babylon is the one that's coming and chopping down the tree and taking the topmost portion of the cedars and, and, and planting all these things, that God is going to do something instead. God is going to intervene in our lives, and he is going to bring about something completely different. And it's going to be this tiny little twig that he's going to plant. And he's going to plant it on a high and lofty mountain. I often want to think of Calvary, but it could be the coming new Jerusalem. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. I see the the fruits of faith giving you something to trust in, church, not just in your own belief, but in the one who has come to save you, to free you from this thinking that you're in charge, to free you from this thinking that God doesn't love you when he comes to you in a way that is a form of discipline to free you from the 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 work of of god that seems to be uh, counterintuitive to what we think is god's work to give you the freedom to realize that god is king and you are not and so therefore you have to trust that he is going to work 
And that is the that is the desire for all our hearts, isn't it? The desire for all our hearts that we might trust in this one who's going to do this thing. And here's this beautiful picture. Under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest. I can't think but of all the peoples at the end of Revelation, right? The whole crowd singing to God. Then verse 24. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. The trees are the nations. All the nations shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. Here I'm thinking of of Daniel chapter 2. I know we're jumping around the Bible (laughs) a little bit, but but in in Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 2, Daniel speaking to this to the same king Nebuchadnezzar and he says something else to him he, he's speaking of this mystery of God and, and he says may the name of God be praised forever and ever this is verse 20 for wisdom and power belong to him Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 he changes the times and seasons he removes kings and establishes kings He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. That it is that God lifts up kings and lowers kings. Why is it that we tend to think that it's God who somehow has appointed some political ruler in our lives and if that ruler goes away then somehow God is not working, that God is only with one particular ruler? as though God can't be with almost any ruler that God wants to be with, that God can't use someone that we despise to do his work for a particular purpose. Because it is even in in Matthew 23 that God says that he humbles the exalted and exalts the humbled, that it is God's work to cause us to realize that he is in charge, that he is God but that also he is going to work out what is best for us. That is something for us to cling to today, church, as you continue in this Easter season, that you have a king. He's a risen king. He's a living king. And he is going to work for you, for your sake, for the sake of faith in you, for your love for God and for one another. And he's going to continue to do that work that he might make you his and he might be yours. Let us pray. Almighty God, Your Son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. Give us grace to love one another, to fall in the way of his commands, and to share his risen life with all the world, for he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for always taking the time to listen. I know that now we have we have listeners in India and Indonesia and Pakistan uh, and uh, all over in different places in Europe. Um continue to please share this with others. Give us some reviews. Uh, Five-star ratings would be great (laughs) or four stars or whatever, but it it helps with the algorithm on on all the different podcasting things that you use so that people might find us easier. But I pray that you would continue to be nourished by what it is that we're doing here, digging into God's word and seeing how it can come to us as, as good news at some point, even when it seems like bad news, like here in, in Ezekiel 17. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.